This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastors Kevin Myers and Kevin Queen delivers this teaching entitled Coaching and Coachability. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. This is, yeah, it's so much fun. So much fun. Well, I want to take you back a couple months ago. I finished up a teaching and I stepped down off the platform and a woman came up to me, a lady came up to me. She said, I want you to know that I was here 12 years ago when you gave your first message at 12 Stone Church. She said, and you had a hard time. She said, you were so nervous. She said, I looked over at my husband. I grabbed his hand. I said, we need to pray for him. She said, so we prayed for you and we've been praying for you. And I want you to know you've gotten better. And I said, thank you. And as I walked off, I was like, like a little bit better or a lot bit better? Like, in reality, it, if, if, if I've become a better pastor over the past 12 years, it's because of prayer and because of the incredible leaders here at 12 Stone who have made significant investment in my life and leadership, the leaders who have encouraged me and who have developed me and who have coached me along the way. And for the past 10 years, I've served as a campus pastor at the Hamilton Mill campus, and I've had the opportunity to give back what I've received. I have the opportunity to coach staff and volunteer leaders to to make investment in their life as well. And while I am a coach, at the same time, I'm being coached. And a coach is someone who who helps you win. A coach is someone who helps you fulfill your God-given potential. And your potential is the greatness in you that has not yet been activated. And if you want to fulfill your potential, you got to have coaches investing in your life. You need coaches, people who are a little bit further down the road, people who who are wiser and and smarter and who can give you advice and counsel. If if you want to to move forward, you need these kind of coaches in your life. In fact, when you look through the, the Bible, you look through the scriptures, you see that people who fulfilled their potential had coaches. Joshua had Moses. Elisha had Elijah. Disciples had Jesus. John Mark had Peter. Timothy had Paul. Rocky had Mickey, like all these people who, who fulfilled their potential in life had, had coaches. So if you want to fulfill your potential, it's going to require coaching in your life, whether it's, in, whether it's in faith or in family or in fitness or finances, whether it's at work, business or at school or in ministry, you need coaches who will make an investment in you. And what I've found is that for a lot of people, the reason they don't fulfill their potential is not that they don't have coaches around them. It's not that they lack coaches, it's that they lack something called coachability, See, if you don't have a teachable spirit, it doesn't matter. You can have all the talent in the world. You can have all the greatest coaches in the world. But if you lack a teachable spirit, you will waste their time. You'll bring down the team and you'll squander your destiny. So in the time we have in this first half, I want to talk about three virtues, three character qualities of a coachable player. In fact, we're going to go to the whiteboard. And I want to give you those three. These come from Patrick Lencioni. He describes them well. He said you would be Humble, hungry, and smart. Humble, hungry, and smart. And it's the intersection of these three character qualities that makes a coachable person, that makes a person coachable. So for the very first one we're gonna look at, if you're taking notes, it's humble confidence. Humble confidence. It's required if you wanna be coachable. Now, humility is one of those things that's elusive. It's not like you can say, you know what, I am humble. I am the most humble person I know. Right? It's like the moment that you claim humility, like you, you don't have it. It's an ongoing pursuit. 
And the place that humility shows up is in the context of relationships. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter five. We're gonna put it up on the screen. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And what Peter is saying is he's saying, he said, humility shows up, whether you have it or whether you don't, in the context of relationships, specifically how you engage or how you interact with the authorities in your life, with your leaders, with your elders, with your parents, with your teachers, with your bosses, with your coaches. How you interact with authority is a litmus test of humility in your soul. And he says, humility is something that you put on. In other words, humility is a choice. I got to choose what jersey I was going to wear today. I put on a Falcons jersey. You know why? Because I'm a Christian and Jesus (laughs) loves the Falcons. He loves the Falcons. And so I put on this jersey. I got to choose what jersey I was going to wear, right? And you get to choose whether you put on humility or not. And it shows up. It's a choice that you make. It's an attitude. And and humility listens. Humility asks questions. Humility doesn't have all the answers. Humility learns. Humility takes the blame. Humility doesn't, doesn't give excuses. Humility shares the credit. Humility serves others. Humility is a choice that you make. And what Peter's saying is that you, you gotta choose humility because when you choose humility, God will favor you. You will find God's favor in your life. When you choose humility, you, you become a candidate for God's favor. But on the other hand, if you put on selfish pride, he says God works in opposition of you. It's like you putting on the other jersey, It's like you put on a Patriots jersey and asking for God to bless you. I mean, you are working in opposition. It's like you're working in opposition of God. God can't bless selfish pride. You get to choose what jersey you're going to put on. Maybe I took that a little too far, but it was worth it. And here's what what he's saying. He's saying, saying, you're going to know God's hand on your life. Either he's going to be lifting you up in due time or he's going to be holding you down. And maybe the reason there's such opposition in your life is because of selfish pride. I mean, if, if, if God is for you, who can be against you? But if God's against you, who can be for you? And so humble yourself so that God can lift. And humbles, humility's a choice. He says, humble your, the Bible never says pray for humility. The Bible says, humble yourself and pray. Humble yourself and serve. It's a choice that you make. I love how Tim Keller describes humility. He says, it's a healthy self-forgetfulness. I love this. A healthy self-forgetting, others focus. Man, you saw this in the Falcons interviews during Super Bowl week, and they were asking Matt Ryan about his MVP run, and they were telling me how, how this went, and he pointed to Julio Jones. And they asked Julio Jones about the great year he had, and he pointed at Freeman. And they asked Freeman about the year he had, he pointed at Coach Dan Quinn. They asked Coach Quinn, he pointed at the hard work of the team. Everyone was pointing to other people. They were giving credit, and here's what they realized, here's what they recognized. Humility realizes that what I'm a part of is bigger than the part I play. Humility recognizes that what I'm a part of is bigger than the part I play. And if you want to be a coachable player, if you want to be a coachable person, you got to recognize that what we're a part of together is bigger than the part that any of us play. And Paul is trying to teach about humility to Timothy, but he's teaching it's a, it's a humble confidence. I want us to look at a scripture together. Turn with me to, to 2 Timothy chapter 1 in a worship center Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's going to be page 1197 in a worship center Bible. If you don't have a Bible of your own, we'd love to put a copy of the scriptures in your hands. Before you leave, stop by guest services at any of the campuses and 
You can take it home with you, our gift to you. And let me just tell you, this is God's playbook for our lives. This, when we read God's word, we're, we're taking a coachable, a humble spirit saying, God, coach me, teach me. There is no book that's been nearly as influential. It's the most influential book in my life and in my leadership and making me who I am in this book right here. And so I'd encourage you to get a copy. We wanna get a copy in your hands. But I want us to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. And Paul's coaching Timothy. In a coaching conversation, he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Paul wants Timothy to know that humility and timidity aren't the same thing. He said, I want you to be powerful, but don't be prideful. See, God wants to fill you with his spirit, with his power, with his love, with his self-discipline. God wants to fill you with the spirit, but you can't be full to fill with his spirit if you're full of yourself. And so you have to humble yourself and God will fill you with the spirit. He wants you, he wants you powerful. It's not prideful because, because your power doesn't come from how great you are. Your power comes from how great he is. So humble yourself. It's a humble confidence. And verse six leads us to the, to the second value, second virtue of a coachable player. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Be hungry. Take passionate ownership for what you do. Passionate ownership for what you do. Look at verse six. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul's saying, Timothy, you've received a gift. It's been given to you. And the size of your gift is up to God. But what you do with it is up to you. He's saying, fan into flame the gift that you get. You've got to take ownership. You've got to take responsibility for what's been given to you for the gift that you have. Listen to how Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. He's saying your spiritual fervor is your responsibility. Your passion is your responsibility. Your passionate ownership is your responsibility. Take ownership of your passion. Take ownership of your gift. Fan the flame. Your passion is not your mama's responsibility. It's not your daddy's responsibility. It's not your boss's responsibility, not your pastor's responsibility, not your, not your small group leader's responsibility. Your passion is not your spouse's responsibility. It's your responsibility. Say, own your passion. Be hungry. Bring hunger to the table. Be hungry to learn. Be hungry to grow. I remember when, uh, when I had my first co coaching conversation with PK, 12 years ago, we sat down, we were at the Starbucks over close to the Mall of Georgia, and we're sitting down, and I sat down across from him, and he, he asked me, he said, what are you going to write with? And uh, so I scrambled to borrow a pen from the barista. He said, what are you going to write on? And so I got a napkin, and I'm taking notes. And we got, we, got, we got into that conversation. He said, you know what, next time you'll want to bring something to write with, and you want to bring a notepad, and you'll want to bring questions. And that conversation changed our other meetings because the next time I brought a notebook and I brought a pen and I brought questions. Listen, your preparation is a reflection of your hunger. If you're hungry, man, some of you are hungry right now and you're burning through the, the, the worship center pen, right? We're gonna have to replace the pen because you're hungry. See, your preparation is a reflection of your hunger. Are you hungry to learn? Are you hungry to grow? And you know, they say that... Uh, one of the reasons the Falcons struggled last season was because uh, Matt Ryan had to learn an entirely new offensive scheme from, uh, from offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan. And you can get a glimpse of what he had to learn in this video. Check it out. 
So let's just pretend one play just ended, you know, the clock starts ticking. I know exactly the first thing he's going to be yelling in there is what hash is it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I have guys telling me what hash down a distance because I'm very just looking at defenses and coverages and just trying to attack scheme the whole time. The next play, we might call a double call and like, go exit to East Right Nasty. We got two scat Cherokee, Canada with three scat FCOY cross. And Matt's got to spit it out. He's got to know what all that means. So say what he just said. Exit to East Right, nasty. Uh, three scat or two scat Cherokee can, three scat, both hammer over. He just changed the can, but he wanted a different play, and that happens sometimes. So I think yeah. he said F- FCO cross, yeah. but I'm not really sure so uh, which one is supposed right. to be. I just called the two man ones. He actually called it right, so I flipped it. Far right, F short, three scat, X hole spacing can, three jet chief on one. Ready? What people don't realize is that if you mess up one word, either me or him, it can ruin a whole play. Just to spit that out takes a lot of focus. Yeah, it takes a lot of focus. You had to whole, learn a whole nother language, right? Because he was hungry to learn. And what a lot of people don't know about Matt Ryan in the off season, before this season, he actually spent six months, went to a camp on the West Coast, and he worked on his throwing. He worked on his, his footwork. And he put in the time in the off season, preseason, because he wanted a different outcome. Listen, when other quarterbacks in the NFL were playing Madden, he was working for six months. Now other quarterbacks in the NFL are playing Madden and Matt Ryan is playing in the Super Bowl. If you want a different postseason, you gotta put in a different preseason. Your life is perfectly engineered right now to get the results that you're getting. If you want different results, you gotta be hungry. You gotta put in different work. Got to be hungry. A coachable player is hungry. And then that leads us to number three. Got to be relationally smart. Look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Paul writes to Timothy. He's coaching him. He says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. Paul is coaching Timothy, rise up. Rise up above the drama. Rise up above the stupid. Don't get involved in the stupid arguments. Be relationally smart. Listen, your relational intelligence matters more than your IQ. And if there is relational drama going on in all your relationships, I want you to step back and think about what the common denominator is. This you. And we step back and we go, you know what? I can't add value and add drama at the same time. See, be relationally smart. Add value to others. If you want to be coachable, you got you to learn how to win with others. Many of you know that the Falcons' motto this season is the brotherhood. And Coach Dan Quinn has been speaking that mantra into the team. But what a lot of people don't know are about the changes that happened in the Falcons' locker room in the offseason. Coach Dan Quinn gutted the Falcons' locker room moved all the lockers to the, to the outside of the locker room. And in the center of the locker room, he put three ping pong tables, three table tennis tables, because he said he got tired of guys sitting there on their phone, playing games on their phone, all isolated. He said, I wanna bring them together. I want the camaraderie. I want the brotherhood. I want the relationships to be formed. I want some competition and I wanna bring the guys together. I want the fellowship. Because Coach Dan Quinn knew if you wanna win on the field, you gotta win in the locker room. When they got to Houston and the, they drove up to the hotel, you know what they found at the hotel? That he had ordered three ping pong tables at the hotel. <laughs> if you wanna win on the field, you gotta win the locker room. It requires brotherhood. Don't add drama, add value. 
build into relationships, rise above the stupid arguments and be relationally smart. Be relationally smart. If you wanna be coachable, you gotta be humble. You gotta be hungry and you gotta be relationally smart. And you might not be able to choose all the coaches that you have in life and that you want right now, but you know what you can choose? You can choose to be coachable. And the more coachable you are, the more coaches are drawn to make an investment in your life. Well, that's all for the first half. Let's take it to the locker room. Well, the reality is, Kevin Queen, you got a lot better over time, huh, church? Well done. Well done, sir. And we want to kick off the second half with a challenge. It's right there in your teaching notes, so just jot it down. We'll put it on the screen, and here's the challenge. Pour into someone else. Write it down. Pour into someone else. In fact, I want all of us to say it across the campuses, loud and proud to your neighbor. So look to your neighbor and say, pour into someone else. Tell them right now. Pour into someone else. See, Kevin Queen just taught us about coachability, the value of being a learner for life. But I'm convinced that once you become an adult, the goal is to be able to be both, to do both. That is, on one hand, be coachable. On the other hand, be a coach. Simultaneously. Be able to learn simultaneously be able to lead. Someone's pouring into you, but you pour into someone else. Someone's making you better, you make someone else better. Someone's helping you win. You help someone else win. See, that's the challenge the Apostle Paul was delivering to Timothy as soon as we get to chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. Grab your Bibles again. Let's go right back to 2 Timothy. We're going to go to chapter 2. Now it's page 1198, page 1198. And look at what Paul goes on to say to Timothy. While Paul's coaching him, while Timothy is being coachable, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Then you, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things, look at this, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. You see that? It, Timothy, pour into others. I'm pouring into you. I want you to pour into others. I, I'm helping you win. Timothy, help others win. Listen, maybe the reason we're having this conversation today is because the Spirit of God wants to challenge you to step up. Maybe you're doing all the taking. Maybe you are coachable. But where are you pouring into others? Maybe you need to step up for the kingdom. Now, Paul doesn't leave the challenge there. He goes on to give him two coaching lessons. And I put them in your teaching notes. And to no surprise, you'll discover that these coaching lessons are the same kind of leadership qualities we find in our Super Bowl coaches, Belichick and Dan Quinn. So here's the first one. Winning coaches lead themselves first. Winning coaches lead themselves what, church? First. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll put it on the screen. Let's put a look at the scripture. Join with me in suffering, Paul says to Timothy, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now when I says suffering, it means pay the price. 
Be, be a part of paying the price. Be a part of the, of the discipline. Be a part of the diligence. Be, be a part of the cost. There's a cost to what we're doing. But Paul said, join with me. Literally suffer with me. Here's what he's saying. Timothy, I'm not just telling you what to pass on. These aren't just words. I'm leading myself first. I'm doing this by example. I'm, I'm leading with my life. See, Timothy, we both understand that God created all life. And that whether people understand it or believe it, what's at stake is that their only hope to heaven is Jesus Christ. And they matter to God and they matter to us. And therefore, we have to get the message out. But there's huge resistance in in, an unbelieving world that Paul's talking about because Paul's paying the price. He's in prison for the name of Jesus. And Timothy Timothy is starting to to feel a little lack of resolve. There's resistance in the community where he's pastoring. There's distortion about the the teachings of Jesus, even among the people in the church. And and Timothy's losing his resolve, and, and Paul's trying to coach him up. He's saying, Timothy, rise up. Timothy, what? Rise up. By the way, if you don't know what that means, I'm going to give you about a minute of it because today requires this moment with a little bit of church choir to it, if that helps make you feel like it's churchy enough. I got to ask you something. What are we all here to do? We are all here to do what Falcons do. Look at that. And to fight and to soar high, baby. He's caught! Touchdown Atlanta! To clamp down and take what's out. Oh, look out! Do we just get up? Rise up! Oh, no! Falcons, rise up! confess that's a lot of hype (laughs) but Paul wasn't hyping he wasn't cheerleading he was in the game he was taking hits as a coach he knew that winning coaches lead themselves first so he was leading by example as if to say don't just lead with your lips lead with your life Hmm? That's what sets Coach Bill Belichick apart. He doesn't merely say to his team, prepare to win. He doesn't merely say, pay the price to prepare. He prepares. I want you to see a brief little conversation of another coach, the head coach of Duke basketball, Coach Mike, talking about Bill Belichick as a coach. Listen to this. You have five national championships. He's trying to become the first to win five Super Bowls. What are the defining qualities that lead to that kind of consistency? People say, well, what more do you have to win? I I have to win with my next team. 
Otherwise, I shouldn't be in it. My goal is to win a national championship. Everybody wants to win. Not as many people want to prepare to win at the level you need to prepare to win championships. It's a whole nother level. That's what Bill has done. Ah, oh, did you get it? The will to prepare. The what? The will. The will to prepare at a whole nother level. That's what coaches do. And Belichick doesn't tell his team, pay the price to prepare without him leading the way and paying the price to prepare at a whole nother level. Maybe the coaching God has invited you to step up into means you got to go pay the price at a whole nother level. That you can't pour into the people God's called you to pour into without you going to a whole nother level. Here's a question for you. Where are you trying to lead with your lips without leading with your life? Where is it just words instead of work? See, dads, we need to do more than tell our kids what to do and who we want them to be. We got to model it. Amen? They, they, they got to see it. Same thing with moms. You're a boss or an employer, don't bark out commands. Make sure that what you're talking about is how you work. Coaches, don't just lead with your lips, lead with your life. Followers of Christ, don't just talk your faith, walk it. It's the credibility. And maybe, maybe we're here because you are quite coachable, but you're not coaching anybody. And God's telling you, you gotta step up. Rise up, help someone else win. Maybe small group leadership, maybe leading and serving in some arena here and outside here is part of the call. But winning coaches know that they have to lead themselves what first? There's a second. Jot it down. Here we go. Number two lesson, winning coaches train hard today. Winning coaches train hard when? Today. Look back at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. Check out this scripture. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except, except what? By competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Now Paul's giving three quick analogies. Right after it, he says, now God's going to help you understand it. Let me help you understand it. Soldier has focus. An athlete has discipline. Farmer hardworking. In other words, these qualities are true if you're going to coach others. Coach Dan Quinn knows this. In fact, I want you to listen about 35 seconds. Dan Quinn talking about his team. And you think, well, of course, he's going to his first Super Bowl. He's going to tell his team to work hard today. No, this was the second day of mini camp. Listen to what he says. Check it out. Really, the way we're going to approach it for our team is every game is a championship game opportunity. And I think what happens that is like we're not going to call you on to do extra stuff once the playoffs are here. Hey, man, you really got to pick it up. Like, no, nah, man, this is how we play. We attack. We go after people all the time. And that way, those times where you don't have to get tight to overtry when the playoffs come and the championship game comes and the Super Bowls come, we do what we do. We play in that style and that fashion. So let's go and attack it. You know, let's have the best camp we can have because all the stuff out there, it's a little far out for us. Let's make sure. Let's put the work in right now. Let's pay, let's pay the dues on how hard we got to work to go have that kind of success. Oh, that is insightful. Super Bowl's way out there. 
Playoffs way out there. That's that stuff. It's way out there. Now I got dreams. We all got dreams for the future. But here's what I know. Today, we got to work hard. We got to work hard today. We got to work hard when, church? Today. today. See, you have dreams of someday, but you're not working hard today. Don't worry about someday. <laughs> Winning coaches know you have to work hard today. That's how you coach. That's how you lead. In fact, he's, he's telling his players and all of us, you can't play soft in practice and then play tough in a game. Ooh, you might need to write that down. <laughs> you can't play soft in practice and then play tough in a game. Let me ask you something. Where, where are you soft in practice? You see, if you're a student, here's what it means. You can't be soft in studying and then strong on a test. Maybe what's breaking down, perhaps what's breaking down in our lives is that we're crashing under pressure, but in truth, we're soft in practice. That at the very times when we need to be training our character, we're soft. Training our career, training our marriage to navigate conflict like the coming series. Mm. And we're soft. And then when the real pressure of the game of life hits, we crash. See what winning coaches know? Is that you train hard today. There you have it, two lessons. Winning coaches lead themselves first. Winning coaches train hard today. Well, we're at the two-minute warning. <laughs> that means that the urgency begins to rise up. The intensity sets in, and I want to give you something that's urgent and intense. Toast, and I want, I want to let you in on something today. A slice of the next new vision of 12 stone, just a slice of what's coming. So listen, kids matter to God, yeah? Kids matter to God here and in this community. Students matter to God, yeah? Here and in this community. And we know that tens of thousands of kids and students are in sports all throughout greater Gwinnett County. Listen, here's the coming vision. Some God's been stirring and we're ready to begin unleashing. We are gonna leverage the John Maxwell Leadership Center to pour leadership into coaches across this county who pour into our kids. Listen again, we are going to pour leadership into the coaches who pour into our kids because we know that what they're really doing is bringing more than just athletic skill. They're bringing the character conversations. They're bringing relationship skill. They're bringing life skill. And we think the most underserved group in the territory, first and foremost, is coaches who are pouring into kids. If we're gonna help change the lives of kids, we're gonna pour into coaches. Oh, we are excited about this. So, over the next three to six months, you're going to hear more and you're going to be involved and this is going to start to gain momentum. We got something set in August, don't even have time to talk about. About a year from now, it's going to be more momentum than we can manage. About two years from now, we are going to be the premier leadership coaching to coaches across all the territory. And by the way, that involves schools, that involves parks and recreation. So here's the beginning of it. We want 12 stoners to be on the front end of the conversation. Hear me. If you are a 12 stoner, 
and you are a coach, assistant coach, whether it's in schools or, or voluntary or in parks and recreation, we want you to be a part of the leading conversation. If you're a director of a, of a club, if you're a director of, a, a, of an athletics in a school, we need you to sign up and be a part of one of these first three meetings, only one of the first three. Go to 12stone.com sports. It's at the bottom of the teaching notes. It's on the screen. Sign up. Get in. You're going to help form and fashion this, and you're going to be benefactors on the front end. We are fired up for what God is going to do in the months and the years ahead, and we get to go do this together as a church. Now, having said that, we have our own thing. you got to be coachable and be a coach. I don't want to pray for us. I want to take some of the words that Paul prayed over Timothy and pray them over you. So bow your heads with me. Let's pray. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we will each fan into flame the gift of you, O God, in us. For the Spirit gave us, he gave us not a spirit of timidity, but he gives us a spirit of power love and self-discipline. And what you heard from God's word keep is the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Make us coachable, O God, and then let us pour into others to make one another better. Right now, some of us confess that we are saying the right things, but we're not living them. Let this be the day of change. Today, we begin to lead ourselves. For others of us, we have dreams of someday, but we're soft in training for it today. And so we reset our thinking and determine to work hard today. Make us more like you, O oh God. Help us to live out your wisdom for a better life. Let your blessing rest on each one of us as we seek to obey you. And one more thing. Help the Falcons rise up and win. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>